This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Lord, a lot of exciting things happening at Christian Family Church, amen? Are you ready for that? Praise the Lord. Well, I want to speak to all the men. Where's all the men in the house? All the men online. We're looking at you through your TV set. Don't forget the Manhood Conference this Friday. It's going to be awesome. Get your tickets. If you haven't got them, they are still open. You can do so. You can do it online. Go to Quicket. Or you can come if you're in person, go into the mall. You can purchase your tickets there. It's going to be great. Now, men, this is an outdoor event. It's not an indoor event. It's an outdoor event because of all the things we've planned. So if for whatever reason on Friday it's raining... (laughs) I know you're tough, you'll still come. (laughs) But if for whatever reason it's raining, we're going to move it one week on, okay? So bear that in mind for all the men that are buying tickets that have got tickets. We'll do that and uh, we'll still have it. It's going to be a great, great evening. Praise the Lord. Well, I have some good news for you. You want to know what the good news is? That our Christmas Day service is going to be taught by Apostle Theo. How awesome is that? Amen. So he's asked us to tell you that this is going to be obviously his first message that he's going to be doing since he had his heart attack. He's feeling great, and he says he has a great, warm Christmas message for us, which will be on Christmas Day. So I know you're looking forward to that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, family, you ready for the word? Let's stand. Let's open in prayer. If you're at home, stand there in your lounge. We're going to open in prayer. And while you're doing that, I'd like to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for this awesome privilege of ministering the Word of God to you this weekend. So let's pray, family. Heavenly Father, as we come together, we remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. So we thank you for this time in your church. We thank you, Lord God, for your Word. And I pray, Lord God, that your Word would encourage every hearer, that they would be motivated to take their next steps in drawing closer to you. And in advance, I want to give you alone all the praise, the honor, and the glory for this service because we totally depend upon you, and I do not depend upon myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated, and if you've uh, got your Bible with you, that's first prize. If for whatever reason you don't, I want to encourage you to use the church app, the CFC church app. You can find the notes on there, and that'll help you just to follow through. Well, family, this morning, I'm going to be teaching a message on Thanksgiving seen as we've been celebrating Thanksgiving for this month, amen? And it's so important for us to be people that are grateful and thankful. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's super important. Now, for those of you that know me a little bit better than the others, you'll know that I love Christmas time. <laughs> it's my favorite season of the year. I just love it. I, I love the lights. I love the Christmas carols. I love the fruit mince pies. I love them all. It's so wonderful. I really enjoy it. But besides all of that, the reason I enjoy Christmas so much is it's because I get time just to sit and reflect on my Savior. I get time to think about what God has done by sending us this amazing gift in Jesus so that we could be part of His family. And so I thank Him for that. I take time just to thank Him And show my gratitude to our Father for His love. His amazing love for us. That's why He sent His Son. Amen? He loved the world so much that He did that. So I use that opportunity just to thank God so much and just reflect on it. Now, obviously, we do that throughout the year. But specifically over Christmas, I like to just ponder on that. Because that's when the whole world is celebrating 
a Savior, the birth of a Savior. Amen? And so we do that. And in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Paul writes and he says these words, in Thessalonians 5.18, he says, In everything, give thanks, this is the will of God. So family, we need to understand that giving thanks infuses joy and resilience into our daily life. That's what it does. When we wake up in the morning and we can say, praise the Lord, this is a day that the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and we give thanks to God, it changes that day for us. It's a whole lot better than waking up and thinking, oh Lord, it's Monday, (laughs) help me. That changes our attitude for the day. If we can just get up and be grateful, because that's what it does. Giving thanks changes the way we approach our day. Wouldn't you agree with me? Just being positive, thanking God for something. You know, there's a British theologian called John Henry Jowett, and he said this. Listen to these words. He says, every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. In other words, Every good thing that God has given us, every blessing, every positive thing that is removed, where we remove thankfulness from it, it really just limps along a spiritual road. You see, because God wants us to be grateful. God wants us to be a people that are grateful. You see, church, without gratitude, our faith becomes a hollow religious practice. If there's no gratitude or no thankfulness in our faith, it's just a hollow practice. And our love for others will crash and burn, leaving us feeling drained of joy and acting like a victim or a martyr. Can you imagine living this life as a believer and just not being grateful, not being thankful? You're going to walk around not expecting any great blessing in your life. So having a a heart of gratitude helps us just to live this life victoriously because why? We've already won. The price has been paid, amen? Jesus made a way for you and I, so we have got much to be grateful for. You see, church, when Paul says in his word, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God, Paul is not saying every circumstance you encounter is necessarily God's will. That's not what he's saying. There's a pastor by the name of Pastor Jack Hayford, and he said this. Pastor Jack Hayford says, in every insurance policy, I'm sure you've read it when you've written, uh, signed these insurance policies or you, you sign these different agreements. You see these words, except it be an act of God. They always have those things in there, those little disclaimers. We're happy to insure you against this, this, and that, except if it's an act of God. And he goes on to say, culturally defined, they are always the worst things that can happen. If you think of that, they always have those statements in there. What happens if there's this this flood, or what happens if there's this whirlwind, or what happens if there's this earthquake. They always want to put that down as an act of God, and we know that's not the act of God, amen? God is a good God, but they seem to always put that in there. And I've heard people interpret it this way. They say this, well, whatever happens is the will of God. Give thanks and praise God. Well, family, the Bible doesn't say that everything is God's design. It doesn't say God's designed those things for us to happen. What he does say is that in it and through it and beyond it, God can work good. And the will of God in Christ is that we give God thanks and praise in the middle of the challenge. The challenge isn't from him, but we can worship him and find something of gratitude to thank him for 
in the middle of it. The bottom line is this. In any given circumstance, whatever you face, you can choose to either complain or you can choose to worship God, but you can't do both. You can complain or you can worship God, but you can't do both. You see, family, this is the thing. If we, we cannot worship God and give Him thanks if we have a heart that's ungrateful. It's not possible. The bottom line is we worship God because He's a good God and He's always made a way for us. You know, in the 1800s, in fact, exactly in 1861 to 1865, there was a civil war in the United States of America. I'm sure you've heard about it. I'm sure you've seen movies about it, about the civil war. And right in the middle of that war, the president at that time, which was President Abraham Lincoln, he declared in the middle of that war a day of thanksgiving. In fact, the actual declaration was called a day of thanksgiving and praise right in the middle of that war. Now, just to bring this a little bit into perspective, this war was one of America's worst wars ever. It was one of their bloodiest wars. Do you know that more than 364,000 people died during that war? 364,000. Just think about that for a moment. That's a lot of people dying. That was Americans fighting Americans. That wasn't them fighting an enemy from another country. They were war with themselves. There were children dying. There were husbands and wives dying in the middle of that war. And yeah, the president in the middle of that war says, we're going to declare a day of thanksgiving and praise. Right in the middle of their biggest challenge, their worst time, they were asked to be thankful. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And I want to say to us today, we can learn something from that. We can look at our circumstances and we can say, hey, I'm not where I want to be. I'm perhaps not enjoying this whole lockdown thing and perhaps my business is being a bit affected here or I haven't managed to see friends and family that I've known for a long time. Maybe it's not your greatest time. But in the middle of it, if you would just stop and say, Lord, there's something I can give you thanks for. There's something I can be grateful for. It'll change your whole attitude. You see, finding something to be grateful and thankful for changes our heart in no matter what situation or circumstance we find ourselves. It's important to know this, family, that our feelings and emotions follow our words. Your feelings and emotions follow your words. So if you would choose to say, hey, this is a great day. I know I'm going to have an awesome day. I'm just going to thank God in advance for his goodness. I can assure you, your feelings and emotions are going to be a whole lot better if you say, well, I'm probably going to have another bad day. Woe is me. Nothing good's going to happen today. It's going to change your whole approach to life. Isn't that right? We can be the world's cheerleaders, can't we? And just be grateful, family. We can do that. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. For those of you that are online, for those of you gathered in person, I want to ask you a question. What do you think is the greatest enemy of gratitude and thankfulness? Just take a moment and think about it. In your mind, what do you think is the greatest enemy of gratitude and thankfulness? I'm grateful for the water. <laughs> Well, I believe there's more than one answer, obviously. But for me, there are two answers that I believe that are the greatest enemies to gratefulness and thankfulness. And the first one is the word envy. Envy. I believe that envy is one of the greatest enemies of being grateful and thankful. Envious 
You want something that you don't currently have. That's why you envy. You look at what somebody else has, and you say, well, I want that thing. I don't have it. And you become envious of their lifestyle, what they have, whatever it is, and you become envious. You see, some people can be very ungrateful when they want something that somebody else has. And they think of the thing they don't have instead of what they do have. And they focus on that. I want that. I want that. Now, I'm sure you've seen the example with little children, right? Especially little ones. They got their toy. They're playing around. They're happy, happy. Then they see a toy that somebody else has and they cry or they go and take it. <laughs> That's just a simple example of being envious. They got everything they want. They got a lot, but they want something else that somebody else has and they cry. Or I'm sure you've seen little uh, uh, people pushing the little one through the store and they want something. And boy, do they let the whole shop know they want it. <laughs> Crying, screaming, oh, I want this, mommy. And they carry on and carry on. Now, I know that's a simple example, but really, they're wanting stuff they don't have instead of focusing in what they do have. And I've written this in my notes. I said this. It is possible that the more a person gets what they want, the less they appreciate what they have. Let me say that again. The more, it is possible that the more a person gets what they want, the less they appreciate what they have. And church, I can promise you, we've got a lot to be grateful for. A lot to be grateful for. Let us take time to focus on the blessings we have and not complain about what we don't have. Because it does change our, that's why in Proverbs 4.23, it says this, above all else. Nothing is above this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The New Living Translation says, for it affects everything you do. Yeah, we have been taught to guard our heart, protect ourselves so that we don't walk around being envious. I want unfair, not right. How can they have it? Except, no, guard your heart. Don't let that come in. Don't let those things come in. Because when we walk around like that, being envious, being ungrateful, we become very miserable people. Very miserable, not joyful, not happy about what we already have. So that's why it's so important. Number one enemy, envy. The second one, I believe, is equally as big enemy to being grateful and thankful is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Why do I say that? Well, family, a bitter heart cannot be a grateful heart. A bitter heart cannot be a grateful heart. If we're walking around with unforgiveness, it will really affect you of being a joyful, happy, thankful person. Because you're holding something in your heart against whatever, a person, a decision, or whatever the case is. And that then makes us bitter. And yes, the big challenge with that is that the Bible teaches us that if we are, have unforgiveness, we are separating ourselves from God. We are separating ourselves from God. And God is what the author of life. Jesus, he says that the joy he, he, that we receive comes from heaven, right? I mean, isn't that right? He, he gives us joy. He gives us happiness. So if I have unforgiveness, I'm separating myself from any chance of being happy, joyful, and grateful. Unforgiveness. And that's why Jesus told us this in the gospel of Matthew. He said this in Matthew 6 from verse 14. He says this, for if... I love the word if, a small word with a big meaning. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, 
But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. That's heavy. But it's so important, family. We've got to understand this. I was speaking at our group just uh, two weeks ago at one of my groups. I'm involved in two groups. And I was speaking just the other day about the subject of unforgiveness. And I said this to me. We must understand that if we have unforgiveness in our heart and we're not willing to forgive, we are really saying this. Father, what they've done to me is worse than what they did to Jesus. So therefore, I have a right not to forgive them. And that's not the case. What they did to Jesus is far worse than they could ever do to any human being. And so we, there's, no, there's nothing that can happen to you that should stop you from saying sorry. Even if it's difficult, voice it. Remember what I said? Words first, feelings follow. Get it out there. So let's not be like that. Let's not hold unforgiveness. Number one, it separates us from God, but it affects our lives from being grateful and thankful. And so we need to be free from these things, church, so that we can truly, truly be people who are thankful and grateful. And so this morning, we're going to take a little journey and we're going to look at three things that will help us to remain thankful and have gratitude in our life. And we're going to spend some time in Colossians chapter 3. So once again, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. Open the church, send, uh, church uh, app and the notes will be on there. So I'm going to read to you from verse 1, Colossians 3 verse 1. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what the Word of God says. It says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand, at, sorry, at God's right hand, in the place of honor and power. So yeah, the Lord is telling us to focus somewhere else. You see, we are raised with Christ. We don't, this planet is not our home. We are just passing through. We are passing through, okay? We are heavenites, <laughs> okay? Heaven's our home. That's what it is. So we're just on a journey through, yeah? And so that's where we should be focusing. It goes on in verse 2 to say this. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think only about the things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Verse 5. So put to death, as the key, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the things of this life, for that is idolatry. So what are we seeing here? The first thing we need to do here is change our focus. If I want to be a person that's grateful... And thankful, I've got to change my focus. I've got to fill my mind with heaven's thoughts. Philippians tells us how to do that. Think on these things, what's good, what's true, what's of a good report. He tells us and there what to do. If I'm just going to be filling my mind and focus on all the disappointments and what I don't have and what I would love to accomplish but haven't accomplished, then I'm going to be a person that's grumpy and not grateful. And so the first thing we need to do is change our focus on the blessings that God has for us. And the greatest blessing is not your home, your car. The greatest blessing is that your name 
is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you can thank God for that forever and ever and ever. Amen? Because really, at the end of the day, if, if you don't get what you want here, you're going to get a whole lot when you get up there. So let's thank God for that. Amen? So let's change our focus. Praise the Lord. Now, as we read on in Colossians 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 12, and it says this. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, praise the Lord, he loves us, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must, look at this here in verse 13, I love this, you must make allowance for each other's faults. Let's just put a pause button right there. The Bible says that we need to make an allowance for each other's faults. What is that telling you and I? That's telling us that people are going to disappoint you. It's coming. It's coming, family. Somebody will let you down. Somebody will disappoint you. Yeah, the Bible's giving us a warning. Make an allowance for it. Make some space so that you don't let it get you down. Right? You know, when, 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 you, when you're planning for, for a vacation or whatever, you, you plan, you make an allowance, you put stuff aside, you're prepared for that. Amen? You plan the journey. You do what you need to do. Yeah, in the same way, God is saying, hey, make a plan. It's going to come. When it comes, don't let it derail you. goes on to say, because of that, and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, I believe that always be thankful is in that same portion of Scripture because if we have unforgiveness, we can't be thankful. And so the second thing, I'm sure you've picked it up, the second thing we need to do is we must forgive people. We must forgive people. And so God wants us to make an allowance. Family, people will disappoint you. I wish they wouldn't, but it's going to happen. So make an allowance. It comes, it's not pleasant. I know it's not great, but Father, I'm choosing to forgive them. And therefore, your heart remains open, and you can always be grateful and never block yourself from what God has for you. And then from verse number 16, it says this. Let the words of Christ, in all their riches, live in your hearts and make you wise. Praise the Lord. God is our wisdom. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing songs and hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. So the third thing I want to highlight to you out of this is that we need to express our gratitude. Express it. You know, in America... As you may know, I'm sure you know, every year they have Thanksgiving. It's actually just happening now. This is the Thanksgiving season right now in America. They do it in other countries, but in America they do this. In fact, it's probably big, one of the biggest get-togethers is Thanksgiving. People travel all over. I've been to America a few times over the Thanksgiving time. The, the, the airports are jam-packed. 
families getting together, people traveling to see each other. And, and in fact, I've had the privilege with, with uh, Pastor Johnny, Pastor Andre, and Pastor Jenny one year, we actually had a Thanksgiving meal with Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev. And it was such a, a great uh, uh, experience for me, I'm sure for all of us, but for me, we sat around the table and uh, every person had a chance to go around the table to say what they're grateful and thankful for. Thanksgiving. It was a great thing. And that's something that I wish we could have in this country is where we just set some time aside and just be grateful and thankful. And they do that. And so they express their gratitude. There's a time that they express their gratitude. Now, we should do that all the time, absolutely. And I believe that we should do it when we in church. Worshiping God is an expression of our gratitude, isn't it? We should do that. We should tell people that we're thankful for stuff. Why? Because it's a great testimony to your God. It's a great testimony to your God of what he's done. In fact, what I do every morning when I pray, every morning, when I get up to pray, the very first thing I do every single morning is I just take some time and thank God. I just thank him. I thank him for a new day. I just thank him for the fact that I'm alive. I thank him that I'm a, my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank him for family. I thank him that he called me to ministry. I just spend time giving him thanks. I love to do that every morning. I believe it pleases the Father's heart, you know. Uh, a story was told by a, a pastor. I heard him tell the story. He said when he was growing up, um, his, his mom, every night, would sit at their bed, him and his sister, every night, sit at their bed, and they had to pray. And what they had to do was they had to always say what they're thankful for. Talking about little kids. And so you can imagine little kids. He says, I used to do the silliest things. I used to thank God for my pillow. I used to thank him for the street outside. I would thank him for my light. You know, just thank him for just, because they were young children. And, you know, he would every night have to try to find something to be thankful for. But he said what he only realized years later, that his mother was instilling in his heart gratitude, being grateful. He grew up that way as a young child, always being grateful. You see, disappointment will come. You might not have achieved everything you want to achieve. Maybe somebody did you in. But we can be grateful. There's a lot to be grateful for. And so he had that instilled in his heart. He always made sure that thankfulness and gratitude outweighed his disappointments. <laughs> outweighed his disappointments. And so I want to encourage us to focus on these things, three things. Number one, change our focus. Make sure we, we're focusing on the positive things. Number two, always forgive people. And number three, express our gratitude. Express it. Tell people. Tell them for the simplest things God's done for you, to the great things God's done for you. Tell people how you appreciate the fact that you're alive today. Don't take those things for granted. There are people that are in hospital fighting for their lives. You have got much to be grateful for. You got up, came to church, chose what clothes to wear. You got a lot to be thankful for. Amen? So we want to do those things and be grateful and express our gratitude. And so family, as I bring this to an end, tonight I want to uh, speak to you about a message titled, The 12 Benefits of Giving God Thanks. There are benefits, and I want to cover 12 benefits of giving God thanks. And we're going to do something slightly different tonight. So come along. For those of you that are watching online, there's space for you. Come to church tonight. It's going to be great. And we're also going to do a little bit of this. We're going to express our gratitude to God. Is that good? So we're going to do that tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning, I'd like to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And as you're doing that, I want to take this opportunity and 
ask you, do you know Jesus personally as your Savior? If you're watching online or with us in person, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Him? Friend, it starts there. If you have a relationship with Him, I promise you there's much that you'll be grateful for. And so today I want to give you three invitations. And my first invitation to all of you is if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, please allow me to pray with you today. And you can know for sure that you are in right standing with God. You see, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And my second invitation is to those of you that once served the Lord, but you know that your relationship with God has grown cold. You're not serving him the way that you used to for whatever circumstance, but today is a great day to come back. Please allow me to include you in that prayer. And you can know for sure that your relationship with Jesus is restored. And my third and final invitation to everybody is for those of you that might be saying, Pastor, I don't know what would happen to me when I, when I breathe my last. Will, will I go to heaven? Will I go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. What must I do? Well, friend, if you'll allow me to include you in this prayer, you can know for sure that heaven is your home and that you'll be in right standing with God. Now, I'm not embarrassing any person. I'm not asking you to come forward. I simply want to ask you to do one thing for me so that I know who I'm praying for. Is at the count of three, just raise your hand above your head so that I know, yes, I'm praying for those people. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And those at home or in the other venues, you can do the same. So won't you raise your hand now? You want to come to Jesus for the first time? Come back to him or know for sure that heaven is your home. Won't you raise your hand now? One, two, three. God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand over there. Well done. Great decision you made. Is there anybody else, wherever you are, Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. In the other venues or if you're at home, you can simply just do that as a sign saying, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Now, friends, I'm asking you all to pray this prayer with me, especially those that have raised their hands, but everybody with us here today and there, all of you at home, let's say this together. Say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. Please forgive me for every sin. I do believe that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. Because of this, I now know I am your child. Today I choose to forgive every person who has hurt me or offended me. And I thank you, Lord, that you have welcomed me in to your family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, congratulations. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.